Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos. I am joined once again by Heather Simon. She is also a writer and editor at Viva Albertos. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, indeed. Well, since the last time we convened, the Cardinals have played seven games, I believe. Is that right? No, they've played eight games since the last time. No, they seven. No. Yeah. I forgot they were off last Monday, but they played seven games, and they went five and two in those games. Now... Pretty good. I mean, granted, this was not necessarily the hardest stretch of schedule they had to play, but I think during any seven-game stretch, you're going to take five and two, and ended up splitting a two-game series at Milwaukee, which would have been nice to win two there, since that's a direct competition for not only a wild card spot, but also potentially a division spot. And then they won three of four in San Francisco, and then they won last night on... We're recording this Tuesday evening. They recorded yesterday, I guess, afternoon, technically, Monday, against San Diego. Uh, by the time a lot of you listen to this, the Cardinals will have played on Tuesday night against San Diego, and we don't know what the result of that is. So I guess you can you know, hold it up high that you know more than we do, <laughs> which maybe you feel that most of the time. <laughs> As I, you should. I, I wouldn't blame you, but regardless, you can certainly do it in that case. But So here is the... Uh, just for a reference, here's the opening. Here's the lineup that the Cardinals have starting tonight. It's uh, Harrison Bader in center field, Randall Grichik in left field, Paul DeYoung in shortstop, Jose Martinez at first base, Yadier Molina at catcher, uh, Stephen Piscotti at right field. Uh, the second baseman, who I'm not even positive what his first name is. I, I think it's Bravik. That, that sounds right. Valera? I don't yes. know. <laughs> it is indeed Bravik Malera. Or Valera. I, I, I knew Valera. I just uh, was stupid, and I, I said it incorrectly. And then uh, at third base is uh, Mejia, who's, uh, whose first name I'm also forgetting, even though he's played Alex? so... Uh, that's That sounds right. It, it's getting... The, the reason I'm bringing up the lineup is because it's gotten to a point of just being... Absurd? Completely crazy. It is Alex Mejia, yes. And I then, knew it. And then the pitcher's Michael Waka. So... Like, you look at that lineup, and how many members of that lineup were you expecting would be on the Cardinals at this point in the year? I would say, four? yeah, four if you assumed there wasn't going to be a trade. I mean, f- there was five players that were on the opening day roster, because but I didn't think Jose Martinez was going to last this long. He's played well, he's deserved it, but I didn't think it at the time. And then uh Bader, I guess, was not considered that much of a long shot as far as being a September call-up, but yeah, Paul DeYoung certainly was not expected, especially to be the three-hitter, which you know at least typically has been where the Cardinals have put what they perceive to be their best hitter, which I don't think Paul DeYoung is. But and I don't think Mike Matheny thinks he's the best hitter either, so I don't think yeah. that that's what he's doing. To it's be what, fair, I think he's using the three-spot the way the three-spot's kind of meant to be, where you put that power... Where you put, like, your fifth best hitter rather yeah. than your best hitter. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's doing that on purpose, but that's what I... He's kind of... Yeah. I don't know. I it, don't know. I don't want to give him too much credit, but I don't want to not give him any credit either. It may just be a thing, like, with Tommy Pham always playing in left field where there's this there's feeling that he's in a spot where he's comfortable, so they're just going to go with it. I'm more okay with Jung batting third than I am with Tommy Pham being perpetually in left field because... I think defensive alignment is more important than batting order. Yeah. But 
that's again not the biggest issue I have with the the Cardinals at this point, but. <laughs> It, it is weird looking at that lineup and thinking this seems like still like in the thick of things, and they're at this point. I believe it's three back of the wild card again. This is one of those things you would think I would have looked up ahead of time, but yeah. I just would rather talk on and on inanely and not actually reaching any sort of conclusion. Heather, if you'd like to take over while I continue looking this up, I would greatly appreciate that. Or maybe you just want to watch me suffer. I don't know. It's, it's up <laughs> to you. Really I guess. I don't know what to say. Okay, so the Cardinals, yes, the Cardinals are three games back of the Colorado Rockies, and Milwaukee's one and a half games back. The the Cardinals are, at this point, currently three games ahead of Miami, who last episode we mentioned how hot Miami's been, but they've cooled a little bit. They're not totally out of it, but six games back with three teams ahead does make it look a bit more difficult. And then, as of this moment in the uh, National League Central... Are leading their game against Pittsburgh right now, but it's one nothing. It's early. I'm not gonna jump to any sort of major conclusions there. But let's see here. For some reason, my computer just locked on me, so we'll uh, get that figured out. Oh, we're still recording. <laughs> Goody. But uh, good news for uh, people that aren't Heather, I guess. I have a trivia question. Yeah. Which I have to say, the f- whenever I told Heather I had a trivia question, which I did not tell her far in advance. I told her a few minutes before we started recording. Like, she wasn't happy about it, but she was not quite as unhappy as she normally is. So maybe she's just in a good mood today. Yeah, I was just distracted by other things I was trying to do, so that's yeah. all I was. It, it, sort of, it sort of sums up our uh, our podcasting relationship that I'm wanting to talk about the podcast, and I was like, okay, this guy, again, <laughs> again, this guy. I gotta guy. try to figure out how to put this pet thing on my couch, pet cover which I, there's this extra string that doesn't fit. I don't really know. It looks like it's pretty well on there. At least, yeah. I don't think there's too much damage your dog's going to be able to do, at least while you're here. Maybe when you're gone, it'll He'll be... He'll be able to rip it off, I think. Probably. I'm not really sure. Pro- I, I probably. i got to figure out a way to secure it. Okay, quit but. stalling. It's trivia time. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know it's your favorite. Okay, so, as, I, as we all know, the Cardinals are currently playing the San Diego Padres... The, the first playoff series that the Cardinals played during either of our lifetimes, I'm not sure if you knew this, was against the San Diego Padres. Okay, cool. In, 19, in 1996. I'm not going to ask you about the 1996 Padres, don't worry. Okay, I was like, I couldn't tell you much about 1996, let alone the Padres. Well, I'm going to ask you about 1996, but That's not the Padres. the order I picked that in, too, by the way. <laughs> it was intentional. So anyway, the uh, <laughs> I have uh, the baseball reference page for the 1996 Cardinals pulled up. As you may know from perusing baseball reference, the individual team pages have 12 different players listed, like with their pictures, for the top 12 players and wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. I told you before this, I'm going to allow you at either one strike or three strikes, depending on how much you feel like actually doing this. I'm going to do one, because I can't think of anyone from that team. You, you can surely think of somebody from the 96 Cardinals. No. like. I'm at an advantage because I actually remember the 96 Cardinals, whereas you were three and probably don't. Mm-mm. And we I barely watched baseball yeah. anyway until I was, like, 18. Well, granted, <laughs> I, granted, I was seven at this time. It's not like I was encyclopedic about the team. but I Yeah, re- I, I could list some 99, 2000 Rams, and I was seven. But that's also a little bit different, considering that's a uh, well, this, Super yeah, Bowl they won- Well, the Cardinals made the NLCS that year, so they were not exactly a bad team, but... No, I... 
I, I have the utmost faith that you can name at least one player off of the top 12 in wins above replacement per baseball reference on the 1996 St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Ray Lankford? Ray Lankford is correct. <laughs> Ray Lankford is number two. I figured Lankford would be your first guess, and he is indeed number two. Let's see here. 1996. Who was the guy that was also a football player? Bo Jackson? No. Deion Sanders? No. Jim Thorpe? No, he was maybe he wasn't football, but he was Tim a, Tebow? He was a dual sport athlete and he played for the Cardinals. Russell Wilson? No. Um You're gonna have to be more specific than he played football. Well, there's only so many. He was actually the one of the two good ones, and the other one was Bo Jackson. Um, and this one was a better baseball player than Bo Jackson. Yeah, I just can't think of what his name is. Is he even? Is he even? Yes, he, he if is. I, so if I can think of his name, he's the right guess. Yes. Um, I mean, there's also eleven. Yeah, but this is literally know. the only other one I know. So no, it's not. It is. It is. You've heard of many, if not all, of these players. Okay, you probably I, haven't heard of all of them, but you've probably heard of most of them. I might have heard of them, but I don't. No, any of them. Steve Klein. Steve Klein is incorrect. <laughs> okay, who is the guy, though? Let me think, let me think. Um, so you want more strikes than one no, what you're saying? No, I just, I just want to think of this one specific person. I don't want any more strikes to figure out the rest okay, of Okay, well, I'll, I'll name the rest of the players while you're thinking. Okay. Number three was Ron Gant. Mm. Number four was Todd Stottlemyre. Nope, Number- never heard of him. Never heard of Todd Stottlemyre. Wow, nope. okay. I've heard of the name Stottlemyre. Well, Mel Stottlemyre was his dad, and he was better. But no, I'm thinking of the basketball player. Are you thinking of Stottlemyre? Yeah. Like Damon or Amari Stottlemyre? Amari. Okay. <laughs> sure. All right. Number five was uh, Donovan Osborne. Nope. Number six is Gary Gaetti. Oh, okay. There's no- one I've heard of. Number seven is Andy Bennis. Oh, the Bennis brothers? Yeah, well, only Andy this time. Number okay, I've heard eight, of them just because they're the Bennis brothers. Like number them. eight was uh, Tom Pagnazzi. Oh, okay. I've Num- heard of that Number guy. nine is Royce Clayton. Mm, I've no- heard of him, but I didn't know he I was a ba- like baseball player. Number ten, hopefully I'm pronouncing this name right. I think it's Ozzie Smith. Is that Ozzie Smith? Is that the correct pronunciation, I think? Yeah, that's number ten. For a second, I got him confused with Ozzy Osbourne. I thought you were trying to tell me that the lead singer for Black Sabbath was I think on he- the Cardinals. It seems that Heather's going off a crazy train here. Yeah. Number 11 is, uh, I've, I've never been totally confident how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm going to try it. Uh, Mark Pekaisik. There's a V in there, and I feel like the V's pronounced somehow, but you guys know who I'm talking about. If you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. I don't, because I've okay. never heard that name and, before uh, in my life. Number 12 was Rick Honeycutt. So it's a couple. Oh, I heard of that name. Couple sort of mediocre relievers. Is that Ozzy Smith's last year? Yes. Okay, so the the football player who is number one on the list. What? Is, yeah, because he's really good, and I can see a picture of him. Like I'll I'll show you a picture of him, which I'm sure would be very entertaining for the listening audience. Okay, to see show a me picture. a picture. Okay, I'm trying to pull up a picture with that won't where it doesn't show you his name. So. I think I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm gonna have to screenshot him all on my phone and then let me work around it. Like I know what he looks like. I can see him playing outfield. For some reason, I'm forgetting how to crop a picture. Okay, so uh, let's see here. It's not Tino or, T- or Tony. 
thinking of I think you're thinking of Tito Landrum, which is a bit before this. Tony or Okay, so I am now showing a picture of the player to Heather to see if it spurs anything. Oh, I knew he had that facial hair and I could see him. That's in a Braves uniform. He, yes, he is wearing a Braves uniform in his baseball oh, reference oh, picture. Oh, oh, um No. Wow. This is This is hurting me more than it's hurting you. I can't remember his name. Alright, Kane has come to the rescue. I think he senses that Heather is uh, struggling here. Um. I hope there's at least one person who's literally yelling this person's name, like on their commuter, (laughs) at work, or wherever they're listening to this. What? No, you know what? Let's just go on to the next thing, and I'm going to think of it the rest of the podcast, and... Okay, well, unfortunately, trivia is left unresolved for our listeners, yeah. but I don't think Heather cares about the listeners. She no, just cares about getting this name. I'm going to figure it out. i got to remember. Um, I can see it on, like, my poster. Well, that's of the 2003 car. Would that have been him? No. What is it? I had something that had his name on it, like a folder or something growing up, but I can't remember what it is. Well... But let me think. Okay, me well, think. we'll move on for now, and we'll go ahead and talk about the 2017 Cardinals. I feel like I'm going to accidentally say this guy's name at some point. It's just it's on my head, on my uh, <laughs> brain now. But anyway, so we kind of didn't think we'd be discussing like a fairly major trade that happened, but a fairly major trade happened with the Cardinals. It's probably the last time since probably 2004 that the biggest trade of the deadline season actually happened in August rather than in July, and that team won 105 games. So, not saying this. I'm not saying this Cardinals team's going to win 105 games. I know that they mathematically cannot win that many games, but let's keep the possibility open. Yeah. Anyway, though, the, the Cardinals traded Mike Leake as well as Cash to the Seattle Mariners, for which they received a prospect. Whose name I don't recall, but whose name really doesn't matter here. Raider, Raider, something. It's one of those names that once I heard it, and once I learned what level of prospect he was, because I don't know anything about prospects. But once I realized that this was basically just so it wasn't just a straight salary dump, so they could say they got something in return, I kind of realized it wasn't worth worrying about. It was all about what Mike Leake meant to the Mariners and what he meant apparently to the Cardinals that they were willing to trade him and pay money to give up a contract that they had voluntarily given him a few years ago, or two mm-hmm. years ago, I guess. But uh, what were your thoughts on the trade? Do you think that this is... I, I know that your general thoughts on everything are, it's fine. <laughs> I I'm thought s- it was fine. I mean, I was very surprised, I will say that. And it seems kind of like a gamble to shake up a team like that when they're in the hunt for division or wild card playoff like I you could kind of read the quotes from some of the players they didn't seem very happy about it which which I have to say and that there were a lot of people that were sort of criticizing the Cardinals from the perspective of it made the players unhappy there isn't a single player in the history of baseball who wanted their team to be sellers unless they were the player that was directly receiving a job because of the team being sellers right like you can't let inmates run the asylum here, and right, I what, get that. Which, what, which, whether you like the trade or not, is a separate discussion. But the fact that the players don't like it, it's not really up to them. Like you don't want to destroy morale, but I feel like 
it's not because it was Mike Leake. It was because they were trading somebody. Yeah. It's not like he was like a clubhouse leader per se. He was yeah. just a guy on the team. But it, it was surprising. Certainly, yeah. And I, I get the idea. Like, if you look at the trade, in a, I guess in a vacuum is the saying, but just strictly the terms of the deal, it's a bad trade. But you and trades aren't always made like that. you got to think of it from a value point of view, I think. And I think the Cardinals were thinking that whoever they replace Leak with is going to provide more value than he will. Yeah. And so it's worth it to them to get find a way to clear him off the team so they can get that other player worth of value. So you look at it just as a trade. It doesn't look like a very good trade. You deal a major league pitcher who's logged a bunch of innings for nothing really in return, plus you send money back. Like That doesn't seem like a good deal at all. Yeah. But if you look at it, that you're going to have a pitcher come up and pitch that's going to be better than Leak, uh, and then you shed that money in the future that you can spend other places. This is assuming they're going to spend it. I know people don't think necessarily that they will, but um, if you just think that that's money they can spend other places, then it doesn't look quite so bad. Like, I still don't, I'm not yeah. crazy about it, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and to be absolutely clear for anybody who hasn't followed the trade, when we say they sent cash to the Mariners, it's not like they were, you know, paying them. Basic, they're they're paying them also to inherit his sap, his contract. Mm-hmm. And like the Cardinals are saving money off of the deal, and essentially it's going to work out to Mike Leake making thirty eight million over three years, which is you know a few million per year less than he'd been ma- he was going to be making. On the Cardinals, the, the Cardinal he'll make the same he'll salary, it, of course, yeah. but the from the Mariners' perspective, the problem that I have with this trade isn't anything to do with this year. I mean, to an extent, I guess it is, but you, they have they can bring you know Jack Flaherty up as they did, and they have other guys who, especially with rosters expanding, you can shoulder the load of Mike League a lot more. You don't need a guy like Mike League who's. He's sort. Of, it's sort of hard to describe him because he's not an innings eater in the sense that like Justin Verlander, who throws like well over 200 innings a year, would be considered an innings eater. But he is one in the sense that he's going to be able to give a team like six innings per game, mm-hmm. more or less, and save the bullpen. You don't have as much use for a bullpen saver once it hits September because you have an expanded bullpen. So it's not as vital that you're keeping those guys refreshed because there's a lot of replacements for them around. The, the reason I'm concerned about this trade, though, is going forward because, like, if the Cardinals don't re-sign Lance Lynn, and I have little reason to believe that they have any intention to re-sign Lance Lynn based on the fact that, according to Lance Lynn himself, the team hasn't approached him about an extension, like, somebody's going to have to throw these innings next year, and... If you look internally at what the Cardinals have, they have Carlos Martinez. He should be fine as far as throwing innings. They have Adam Wainwright, who he can throw the innings, but he's also been really ineffective lately, and I'm not sure that you would want him throwing the innings. You have Michael Locke, who's had injury problems. You know, he might get you you know, somewhere in the low to mid-hundreds of innings, but not somebody you're expecting to get roughly 200 or so. And then you're counting on like Luke Weaver... Jack Flaherty, guys who'd be essentially... Well, I'm not sure if Weaver would be a rookie at that point, but he'd be very young in his major league career. You'd have Alex Reyes coming off Tommy John surgery. Like, Are these the guys that you really want to count on mm-hmm. for next year? And I just don't think that you want to do that. I think that you want to 
have a guy like Mike Leake, and he's a and we've mentioned this before as both a positive and a negative. He's just kind of boring. Like he's kind of a run of the mill pitcher, but he can at least eat up those innings. But if the Cardinals are going to have to next year go deep into games, you know, if they have pitchers who aren't able to go deep into games, I should say, then it's really going to hurt them, especially if they don't trust like the depth of their bullpen. And this is a bullpen that's not going to have Trevor Rosenthal for at least a majority of the next season, probably not at all for next season. So they're going to have to make a move. They're going to have. I don't think even just re-signing Lance Lynn is enough. I think that would be a good start, though I'm not even sure that I support them doing that just based off the fact that I think he's pitching like way out of his mind this year in terms of his ERA and his peripherals differential. But they'll need to do something. If they want to be reasonable contenders next year, you either have to sign a starting pitcher that's going to get you 175 to 200 innings or you're going to have to sign a bullpen. And by a bullpen, I don't mean just one reliever. I mean several relievers that you're going to really trust because you're going to need a deep bullpen full of guys you trust if you're going to have only like one or two starters that you have any faith whatsoever of going six innings. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And that's why I'm just, I don't understand the trade. And like maybe they're concerned about his recent results. As we've mentioned, Mike Leak in his last several starts had been very bad. And it was interesting because I think most Cardinals fans seem to not like the trade, but that's also true of most Mariners fans. They sort of, Felt like, and with the Mariners, I think it made more sense because they're in a playoff race and they're just absolutely desperate for pitching to a point where Mike Leake is just instantly one of their best starters just because they just had nothing going. But if you assume that Mike Leake is what his last few starts had said, then it's a good trade for the Cardinals. But if you assume that he is basically the average to slightly above average pitcher he's been over the last couple of years, I don't think that it's a good move. Because they're going to have to make moves to correspond with this. And it just seems like it would be easier to stick with what they have. As far as uh, other pitching moves, though, I guess a little bit less exciting of a move in terms of overall impact on the organization. But a bigger move in terms of players who have been with the Cardinals longer was that uh, Kevin Segrist was designated for assignment. And the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, who were the first team that could claim him, did claim him. Secrets is kind of a mixed bag of successes and failures with the Cardinals. I guess my overall stand, I, I'm not going to get too worried about the fact that he was designated because I don't think he's a great pitcher, but I think he was probably fine. It seemed a little bit weird that they made this move right before That's the, thing that I the expansion of the rosters, which it probably isn't going to make a huge difference because I think they were going to end up non-tendering him at the end of the season anyway. The fact they designated him for assignment certainly would imply that, that they were not, you know, interested in paying him, you know, a million plus dollars to keep him when they weren't willing to pay him the league minimum they were paying him now. But I think when it comes to Kevin Segrist, though, I feel bad for the guy. Like, normally I don't feel actual, like, legitimate levels of like, sympathy towards baseball players, because as much as I try to be, like, all pro-labor with, oh, well, these guys are making, you know, less than they deserve, considering how much the owners are making, things like that, mm-hmm. this is still a guy who was making league minimum, and the Cardinals were really just grinding him down throughout these years, and now he's at a point where he looks less effective, and, you know, part of this, like, his 2013 season was always an aberration. I think everybody realized at the time that he's not actually, like, a one ERA kind of pitcher. He never was that. He was getting a lot of good luck to that. He was having 
absurd, you know, batted ball luck, absurd ground ball rates that were not going to be maintained. But I still think he's fine, and it didn't surprise me at all that the Phillies would want him on their team. Well, we'll see what kind of future he has. I don't think he's going to turn into like a closer or anything, but I think he's a player who could have a role within some organization. And and I understand why the Cardinals did what they did as far as using him as much as they did whenever he was under club control, but it's still just, it's an unfortunate situation and sort of an unfortunate byproduct of a system where players, they get overpaid late in their careers, but they get dramatically underpaid early. And if you're a relief pitcher, you're pretty disposable. So mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult unless you're like a, a top end closer to end up making the money that you're worth throughout your career. Yeah, I was just surprised because rosters were just about to expand and we've had kind of all this trouble with the bullpen already and he seemed like one of the guys Matheny sort of trusted. Even when he wasn't as effective and we didn't want him out there, Matheny always seemed to go to him, so it just surprised me that they would completely designate him for assignment, especially when... Yeah, the rosters are just about ready to explain. Yeah, and, and they have other guys on their team that if they really wanted to make a move like really quickly because they, they he was designated for assignment the last day of August. Like they they had guys that if they really wanted to just for a day to send down they could have and they could have, you know, sent down uh, you know, John Brebbia or something or, or I don't know who had pitched exactly the day before, but that would make sense. It was a guy that wasn't going to be able to pitch the next day. Mhm. But if you, but like the Cardinals were not going to as much as people like to complain about them, they weren't gonna you know cut ties with Brett Cecil. He's under contract for after this season twenty some odd million dollars. They weren't going to you know cut ties with some of their more effective guys, and it, maybe Tyler Lyons factors into this somewhat as well because he's pitched so well in relief, and they figure there's a, a lefty we're gonna trust. And Zach Duke has pitched well this season. Though I believe he's a free agent after this year too, so it's. He is a free agent, that's right, okay. But, so, it's not worth sweating too much about, but it is a little bit confusing as far as the timing of it. But, again, it's not It's not like the Mike Leake trade where, whether the trade's good or bad, there's a lot further apart error bars as far as the potential results of it. I don't think there's a whole lot good or bad that's going to come of getting rid of Seekers. I, I think it's mildly confusing, but not worth getting too been out of shape about. But with these pitchers gone, of course, the uh, younger pitchers had to step up and there's been some there's been some really good pitching performances over the uh, the last uh, the weekend, I guess. On Friday, Jack Flaherty made his major league debut. It was a little bit hit or miss. He had mm-hmm. literally <laughs> Yeah. Which yeah, it was basically they got a hit or they missed the ball because Flaherty has really, you know, exciting stuff. Like, I wonder at this point if Flaherty would be better at this point in a relief position, but I think at this point the Cardinals don't really have that option. Right. You know, because they traded Lee because of Wainwright being on the DL. And Tyler Lyons isn't stretched out now. Yeah. And I think at this point they they like Lyons in his relief spot because he's... Yeah. Like, I know you've always been, you know, a, a big Tyler Lyons <laughs> aficionado. Yes, proponent of Tyler Lyons. As evidenced by the fact that anytime I'm watching a game with you and Tyler Lyons comes and I immediately pull up my phone and start playing Pony because that's... That's his song. That's that's And by his song, I mean the song that Heather associates with him. <laughs> exactly. It's sort of in the same way that the VEB community calls Carlos Martinez El Gallo, but nobody outside of it does. Mm-hmm. 
playing pony whenever uh it plays in my head yeah <laughs> i feel i feel like if we had intro music for this podcast it would probably be pony just because it gets it gets so much uh so much play but it's a good song well uh genuine if you're listening we'll cut <laughs> you a, we'll cut you a very generous deal yes and by very generous i mean we'll give you something i don't know <laughs> Give you a, a few. A thing. We'll give you a few dollars. You can come and pet Heather's dog. Mm-hmm. That would be a good deal for everybody involved. But anyway, Flaherty is what he is, and Luke Weaver pitched well again on uh, Sunday. I guess it was. Was it Sunday? Am I? Am I? Am I losing it? I think so. I get my days confused very easily, but but Weaver did pitch well. He threw, uh, I think it was only nine strikeouts this time, so a step down from his... I'm pretty sure it was Sunday. Lynn was Saturday and Martinez was That's Monday. right. And Lynn had a... It's hard to describe Lance Lynn's start on Saturday because at one point in the game, he'd pitched six and two-thirds innings, or six and one-third innings, I'm sorry. He'd allowed one hit and no runs, but he'd walked four and struck out zero. <laughs> Which you could not possibly get more 2017 Lanslin than that. Now, he ended up striking out four of the last five batters he faced, which was not a thing I saw coming. So, <laughs> like, overall, his peripherals on the day didn't look bad, but it, it was looking very dicey at first. And then the, uh, I almost hate to say the bullpen blew the lead. I mean, they did, but it's one run in one inning. It's. Right. And, like, there's always an expectation that the bullpen has to do that. But if you look at just, if a, Three ERA pitcher comes into every game with a one-run lead. The odds are, if he pitches one inning, one out of three times, he's going to blow it. Like that's the way it would average out to. But the Cardinals did lose that game, but then they ended up winning on Sunday on the heels of Luke Weaver's performance. And then on Monday, Carlos Martinez was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting a complete game. He ended up getting a shutout. He ended up striking out a bunch of guys. He walked a few, but still overall a very good performance and. It's it's strange because I feel like the is Carlos Martinez an ace question is like it almost feels like we're ganging up on a like a vocal minority who say that he's not which is, as I've mentioned before I think it's a silly question to ask if a pitcher's an ace because like what do you define as an ace right do you define an ace as like top tier in Major League Baseball because I don't think he's that because I think the top tier in Major League Baseball is like three pitchers maybe four like maybe Kluber's in there but like the fact that I'm not sure if Kluber's in the top Corey Kluber's in the top tier probably should be evidence that Carlos Martinez probably isn't yet but like he's really good he's one of the you know 30 best pitchers in baseball certainly I'd say he's you know probably close to top 10 but definitely in the top 20 and I think that like he's very good and I feel like that a lot of people they want to criticize him for not being, like, quite as polished as Adam Wainwright was in, like, 2010 or in 2013. But Adam Wainwright wasn't as polished as Carlos Martinez was whenever he was Carlos Martinez's age. Because Carlos Martinez turned... You're the Martinez aficionado. He turned mm-hmm. he turned 26 at some point during this season, right? Yeah. The year that Adam Wainwright turned 26 was 2007. It actually would have been in the off season, I believe, before the 2007 season, though I can... Adam Wainwright's birthday is August 30th. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's your mom's birthday. That's the right. The day before my mom's birthday, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do so... this thing every year where I say all these really nice things about someone on their birthday, and then at the end I say, happy birthday, Adam Wainwright, and then I always put, oh, and I guess happy birthday to my mom, too. <laughs> 
Your mom, she loves it. Your mom's a nice lady. You should be nicer to her than that. Yeah. But regardless of Adam Wainwright, would have, he would have turned 26 then during the 07 season. Adam Wainwright was not really like, he didn't really hit his stride until 09. Like mm-hmm. he was okay in 08 and then 07 was sort of mixed result. And then in 06 he was reliever. Carlos Martinez at this age is better than Adam Wainwright was. He's certainly better than Chris Carpenter was at this age because Chris mm-hmm. Carpenter was sort of a prototypical late bloomer. But it, it just it seems nuts to me that people are like not happy with what Martinez is. I think it's just maybe people just had too high of expectations for him. I think they just want him to... Like he, it's almost because he's too young to be an ace. Does that make sense? Like he doesn't, he's too young. Yeah, but he I'll, can't be like a leader because he's not I, old yet. I get I it, know. but that's also kind of ridiculous. He's he's only like two years younger than Chris Sale. It's not like he's yeah, like a child. It's not like he's you know he's young in spirit. Julio Urias or something where he's born in like '96. I think he's not quite to that level, but he's good. I, I think it's our official stance, mm-hmm. right? Or yes. The official stance of this podcast is Carlos Martinez is good. And I know a lot of haters will disagree with that, but <laughs> we're going to stick with that. But so uh, looking at it, I think that's actually the entirety of the uh, the list of topics we had, which I feel like we, uh, we were very briskly moving through this podcast. <laughs> and that was even with a trivia. Thank God we had the trivia segment. Wow, we were... Um, so, um, did we want to talk about Harrison Bader in center field, or did we already talk? Yeah, about Yeah, we, t- that we touched a little bit on that. It was, it, it's a little bit weird to me that Harrison Bader keeps playing center field. It's not as weird with today's lineup because I think Bader is definitely better suited for center field than Piscotti or Grichik. Grichik, I could see the argument for putting Grichik in center, but I, I'm not going to sweat it too much. I mm-hmm. think that, I think that Fam is probably the best defensive center fielder currently on the Cardinals, which. I don't even think he's necessarily a great defensive center fielder, but I think he's probably the best of the group. And yeah. As I mentioned before, I think long-term, they're going to have to talk to Dexter Fowler about moving off the position, but that's obviously not a concern tonight. Do you think that Tommy Pham is more prone to injury in center field? I, I doubt he's much more. I, I think it's probably an immaterial difference, and... I think there's always the chance of him getting hurt regardless. He had a, a bit of a scare yesterday, and he was taken out of the game, and he's not playing tonight. So we'll we'll see, obviously. That. With center field, there's more chances to get hurt. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the way you should be playing, like scared of injury. But if, yeah. they, if, if it keeps his legs healthier, less wear and tear by putting him in a corner spot, like I can see that being the reason, as, as long as it's kind of a little bit of a wash with whoever's in center field. Like, it's not like he's um, Mike Trout or Peter Borges or I can't think of a well, I mean, really uh, good center fielder off the top of my head. Well, but. well tr- yeah, I mean, Trout was well. Trout was a weird case because he came up and was just immediately a great defensive center fielder. And then they moved him to left field for like a, almost an entire year because of Peter Borges being there. And then once Trout moved back to center field, he's just kind of been like average since. Mm-hmm. Like, he's fine, but he's not a superstar. But, yeah, I think that the Cardinals' best defensive... Like, in the organization, it's probably Sierra whenever he's up, just because he's fast. Mm -hmm. But even him, I'm not as sure of as some people are, as far as even just pure defensive ability, though. Being a really fast runner certainly helps. But that's pretty much the uh, entirety of my takes. Basically, the Cardinals have a lot of guys who can play center field, but whom I'm not 
particularly excited to see play center field. So yeah. do you want to try to figure out who the uh, the former football player was? Or have you come up with a, uh, a guess for the name yet? Um, okay, so a name, I know this isn't it, but a name, this, no, I'm not even going to say it because I know it's not it. The first name that I keep coming to is Tony or something like that. And the, I mean that's that's not it, but I'm trying to think of who Tony would be that you're unless you're thinking of Larusa, obviously. No, but. it's like, and then the other name I keep thinking of like Terry or Carrie or something, but I can't think of his name. Well, the Cardinals did have a Terry Bradshaw. I was th- who was an outfielder before nine. It was not the guy you're thinking of, and maybe that's where you thought of Carrie too from the Sex and the City guy or girl. No, well, but. they had a Carrie Robinson. Yes, they had Carrie Robinson. That was a bit later. That was 2003, number zero zero. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I can't think of any. I I like can see the name because it's not a very long name, and it's like a very normal name. You know, like it's if it's like one of those names where if you run through a bunch of common last names, you could guess. I think. Anyway, but who is it? The leader in wins above replacement for the nineteen ninety six St. Louis Cardinals was former Atlanta Falcons defensive back Brian Jordan. Brian Jordan, I knew it. I knew. <laughs> I was telling you, like it was one of those. I was gonna say someone with two first names too. I've also now since pulled up the 96 Padres page, and I feel like I should quiz you on them, but I, I won't subject you to that. Tony Gwynn. He's number 10. But do, do you know who the manager was for the 1996 San Diego Padres? Is this something I would know? He is a, a name you know, yes. No. It's the manager that they just faced in San Francisco, Bruce Bochy. Oh. So, well, the more you know. <laughs> so, there is that. So, that was back when the Cardinals beat Bruce Bochy in playoff series. I knew it. Brian Jordan. Like, I... Ugh, so annoying. All right. Well, anyway. we better wrap this up before Heather gets extremely mad. I just... It was something that I should have been able to figure out, but I was just totally blanking. And I knew it was two first names, too, because I was trying to run through, like... It was, like, Terry Perry... <laughs> Like, like the last name. It was you know? Gerald Perry. I'm trying to think of where you would have gotten these connections No, from. I just knew it was two first names, but I just could Like, I was trying to go through all the first well, names. Well, Gerald Perry has two first names. I know, but that's what, I wasn't thinking Gerald Perry. I was just trying to think of what the last name was. Okay, well, anyway, though, thank you to all who listened to... I know to, who Gerald Perry is. He was also on the Cardinals, but... Uh, in 1957? No, in like 1991, I think, was his good year. It was before. I, it was while I was alive, but not paying attention to baseball. My but, parents were married in '91. Well, so were mine, and they had two <laughs> kids by that point. So, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to, uh, I guess, the outro. Heather, do you have anything you want to uh, promote or advertise or etc.? Sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at lil underscore scooter ninety three, and you can read my writing at Viva Albertos. Uh, Monday through Friday at 12 noon. Cool. You can uh, read my writing on Viva Alberto's Tuesdays and Thursdays. I had a post go up today about uh, Giancarlo Stanton, and so did Heather, which mm-hmm. means either Heather's copying off me or we've just you know reached sort of a hive mind where we just think the same thing all the time from doing all these podcasts together. One, At least one of the two things has happened. It could be both. Yeah, it's possible. 
But anyway, the uh, all of all of that stuff. You can check me out on Twitter at uh, JohnJF125. You can check out Viva Albertos on Twitter at Viva Albertos. Facebook.com slash Viva Albertos will get you to the Facebook page, which I have very little to do with. Heather is more involved with that. I haven't done it in a while. It's mostly Craig now. Yes. Shout out to Craig Edwards, the uh, overlord, the resident doer of things. Yes. And. Uh, and Dog Edwards. I think his name's Henry. He's real cute. Hen- Henry sounds right. I'm not positive on that, Henry though. Henry Edwards. I feel like when... Because Craig was in St. Louis a couple months ago, I feel like he should have brought his dog to come play with Kane, and we could just have a meeting of the Viva L... Uh, Dogs. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like a... Something that sounds like Birdos or uh, well, begins with Spanish a Spanish for a dog is uh, Perro. Viva El Perros, yeah. Gato is cat. Is dog. However, the word for birds is not birdos. No, so. doggos. Yeah, Viva El Doggos actually <laughs> sounds pretty good. If we're going just completely insane gibberish words. Anyway, though, um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Kane, for being pretty well behaved. Maybe <laughs> the occasional pan, but not too intrusive. And yeah, that's pretty much all I have. You got anything? Nope. Bye.